0: Side, get the man open to the end zone. Stills crabs a touchdown. Kenny Stills. What a... Super job. You're All right, guys. Yeah. Welcome to the Bud Berry Bob and Beer Podcast. I'm your host tonight, Kamya. i Robbie, and joined by my little compadre, Stephen Brown. Stephen, it's been a while. It's been about two weeks. I've been kind of, kind of busy, kind of sick, uh, in both ways. But uh, I've been going through lots it. Of, lot, yeah, lots, lots of good things have happened though in the in the last two weeks. Uh, how's life, man?
1: It's good. It's good. I've been busy this week, but. Made some time, and honestly. Like, I'm just ready for the weekend. Like, there's no OU football, so we don't really have to cover that. And then it's just gonna be so nice outside. To yeah, be so nice. Like,
0: I keep on thinking tomorrow's Friday, and it's really messing with my brain. Like, I keep on thinking yeah. tomorrow's Friday, and I'm, I want to be the weekend. And like, I if you're a fan of like soccer, like leagues worldwide, it's like the international breaks. So everybody's playing for their international teams. So I guess you could like have us. you could watch USA versus uh Germany if you wanted to, I suppose. Um uh that actually might be a good game. Um, and of course, oh like you mentioned, OE's oh, on a buy. so like the only thing I have to save me is preseason basketball and uh the Chet Wemby uh that. lineup went last, uh, last night, two nights ago, something like that. Oh watch that. So
1: that, yeah. that was kinda nice. So that I was kinda nice. Didn't have to go through Bally to watch it, so that was nice. I hate ballet sports so much.
0: I also hate ballet. Like, it's the worst. And uh, we got to see uh, Wemby, Victor Wemby-Mjana. wemby Yana wemby Yama? I don't know. Wemby. Let's call him that. Our good friend from through the keyhole, Peyton, He, uh, he is a big Spurs fan, and they pretty much hit the lottery with that pick, like legitimately like that. That guy's on another planet. That's inc- that's incredible. Like what he was doing. I mean, Chet did really well too. But oh my god, like that guy is from outer space, and you don't have to wait like six years, like for you, like you did for Giannis. This guy's already ready, and he shoots three three pointers and stuff. That's Santos San is going to be very good very soon. So, anyways, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Oh, uh, you recruiting a little bit, definitely. Most of this podcast, if not all of it, um for the most part, it is our reaction to OU Texas. I still am catching myself watching highlights, and of course, OU drops every something every single day on Twitter—just uh, something, a new angle, a new video, a new picture from the Red River rivalry, Red River shootout, Red River, whatever the heck they're calling it, a showdown these days. I don't know. I used to, call, I always used to just call it the Red River shootout. That was always fun Um in the early mid two thousands. Can't say that anymore. Yeah, I can't say that anymore. So in saying Red River rivalry, that's too much of a, t- of a tongue twister. Or not really a tongue twister. It's just like too many R's. So they say Red River showdown. So uh, let's go ahead and get this kicked off as far as recruiting. Let's get that out of the way. Anything trending OU's way right now? Is it good news? Should OU be expecting good news soon besides maybe be already being 6-0? and
1: yeah, there's a few things going for OU right now. I think uh, the most immediate one would be the uh, the kid out of London, uh, Daniel Akinkumi, who's going to decide tomorrow morning, uh, London time. Yeah, that's yeah, offensive alignment six four, about three hundred pounds. Uh, he's big. He's big. Looks really good. It's hard to evaluate because they don't really play a lot of football over there, but he shows a lot of promise. And I think he's going to make a decision. I think it's early in the morning, somewhere, sometime between like six and uh, eight o'clock central time. So. Uh, that one's looked out for. Tom, Michael played in
0: uh, England after he couldn't he play in the NFL. And a lot of people like, and a lot of people hate Tom. Moore. That's He's true. A love very divided. Player. Very divided. He had a. He was. <laughs> he his his high school mascot. They were the unicorns. I'll never forget that.
1: I'll never forget him. Pretty much killing that Florida State receiver, and that uh, that was it. One of the opening games. Was that he was ranked, the like, one?
0: Was that when, he, was it him and Javon Harris colliding on that receiver, or was that a different play? I think so. like they Was that him. the play where the receiver seized up? Yeah. That was not like, a personal foul, like, at all. Like, like that's that play still makes me angry. Like, Javon Harris and Tom Ward collide <laughs> on this guy, not using a helmet. They just happened to hit him from both sides at the same time at the one-yard line. And the guy like got concussed and like went like he fenced up and immediately fell backwards, and they called that a personal foul. They just he just got squished between two dudes. Yeah, I mean there's a lot of soft
1: fouls on that,
0: but they ended up winning with
1: fair. Uh, I think that's like the uh, Austin Box like tribute game with uh, Kenny yep. Stills and it stuff feels- like that. So pretty memorable game. So I mean, if but- he has the career that Tom War has, I mean that's not a he didn't have a terrible career at Oklahoma. So sure. Sure. That's a promise. And then Michael Boganowski, uh, he's got a commitment coming up, I think, on the 19th. It looks like Oklahoma's trending that way. We'll see. There's a lot of ties to Kansas State, but we'll see if, you know, Oklahoma with a big win, they got a little bit of momentum. I think they can push through there. And then uh, Eddie Pierre Lewis, a guy that's been kind of tracked to Oklahoma for a while. And then it's kind of UCF and kind of somewhere else, but it seems like he's coming down to a decision and Oklahoma looks to be turning that direction as well. So those are the three. And, and then I think you could look at like maybe some guys that they want to flip down the road. Obviously you look at sure. Michigan state with their roster and the kind of the chaos going on there and see if you can yep. maybe get by job. Some, by, by job and get a transfer or
0: someone, you know, from their recruiting class. And then yep. obviously
1: with Clemson as well. So it's a lot
0: to watch right now. And so like you mentioned it, um, the Red River rivalry, shootout, showdown, whatever the heck you want to call it, OU Texas, how much does that move the needle? It felt like after the game that, I mean, of course, Oklahoma is getting all this publicity now, like national publicity, which is weird uh, after like the last couple seasons or especially after last season in particular, where that wasn't happening at all in any capacity. That Oklahoma's getting this much national love from ESPN, Fox, and all other good stuff. How much does it move the needle for them in recruiting? Because it seemed like things started to like really, really, really not do a one hundred and eighty. They were already trending positively, but it seemed like a lot more things started trending their way as soon as Oklahoma did what they did against Texas. It's so, like, how much does it move the needle? I suppose.
1: I think it moves it a little bit for 2024. Obviously, that that class is pretty stacked right now. So there's only a few spots left. I think if you're looking for guys that's going to move the needle for you, look maybe at uh, maybe like the the receiver from Clemson, a guy that has been, you know, uh, was penciled in an Oklahoma's roster at one point and then committed to Clemson. And, you know, not everything is great with uh, the offense there. Does he kind of look around and, and does Oklahoma get involved again? So, I think that's maybe one of the situations you look at. I think a lot of people would want to say doesn't move the needle for Williams when nary committed to Missouri, yeah, and I don't know Missouri's if Missouri's really doing
0: well. They're undefeated still. I think they lost this weekend, so that's their what, first. They, oh, they did.
1: Yeah, I think LSU was LSU beat them, something like that. But they're—I mean—they're I mean, no, they're they, having a good season I,
0: regardless. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. I was surprised.
1: I just don't know if it moves the needle enough for williams and nary because that's she's not really like a success on the field thing like if if yeah. it was you wouldn't have committed to missouri so like right. for, the, In, for people that are looking at this and saying oh you know they want to you texas great sure. game everyone's talking about it it's this the the thing where it's going to flip Williams and Winary? i just don't think that's the case it's a money thing it's a yeah it's a close to home thing. It's a family thing. So there's a lot more going there. I, I just don't think it moves the needle enough in that situation.
0: They gave him the Luther Burden uh, recruiting package deal, uh, and that's, kind of that's all pretty he nice. Wrote. Yeah, it's, you know, it probably pay. It would probably pay off all my student loan debt and more. I probably <laughs> get get a lot more cash in return. So like, let's talk about it. Let's just break it down. Uh, let's react. I mean the aftermath of OU Texas, but let's just like talk about how you were feeling during the game. Uh, let's just start off with that. And it's like reactions during the game, um, how you felt throughout the entirety of the game. What 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 were your knee jerk reactions throughout the game, and some maybe some high points that you remember there, that stuck out to you regarding like what happened on this past Saturday.
1: Went into this game with a f- like I don't want to say like a fair amount of confidence, but I was like cautiously optimistic that oklahoma
0: okay sure could
1: maybe steal this game i never yeah. i didn't pick oklahoma to win the game i'll just be honest i think when i, I was agree. drunk i said oh you by 10 but when i was sober i said uh texas you know by field goal so yeah. uh but i you know there's some cautious optimism to see you know quinn ewers isn't necessarily like a heisman favorite by any means i don't like he's even the heisman mm-hmm. race right now um so we know that Oklahoma's defense can t- can make turnovers, and they did in the first drive. So once that happened, I said, okay, this is kind of like the – put them back on their heels early, and that's kind of where you want, want Texas because they're not going to run the ball that much if they're uh-huh. back on their heels. So that first interception I think was just key for everything. I, there's a lot of huge plays in this game, but I think that first interception just kind of set the tone for pretty much everybody on the field because you knew Texas was kind of – like okay shit this is a real team now we didn't, we're not going to stop this team 49 to nothing right and from that period on like the the thing i always say about texas is they have really good players but their culture's not that good
0: oh, so when you shit. pin them
1: back they don't really punch back at all so i mean they they kind of did but it felt like oklahoma could have just ran away from that game
0: yeah if if it felt like oklahoma like looking at oklahoma's <laughs> chances and looking at texas's chances in particular I mean, Oklahoma didn't exactly take advantage of all three turnovers they forced either, and, like, people need to acknowledge that. Like, one of the turnovers led directly to a blocked punt, touchdown. And then another turnover, the fumble, that Gentry, you know, Gentry yeah, Gentry, uh, no, Peyton Bowen, that he uh, forced, that Gentry Williams recovered. So Gentry Williams gets two uh, turnovers during this game. Three and Oklahoma, out, Oklahoma does nothing with it, and they go three and out. And so, like, oh, in Oklahoma, they don't, they had the field goal that was sh- not only wide right, but but short, forty five, like a forty five yard field goal, which was kind of concerning. But the wind was swirling, but still, it's forty five yarders. You should at least put it near the uprights. Um, and like Texas, sure they had shots, but and like they had the they, Oklahoma at the goal line stand, but there's there's a world in which OU wins this by three scores, and yeah. Yeah. I mean what do you think of uh, Jeff Levy? That's a great question. And so and this is something that like again, I've said this in the million a million times in the podcast. And like this is something that like I assumed that you knew I would probably talk about once we came to this podcast, which is I thought Jeff Levy like two this is a two parter. I thought Jeff Levy, once he started to unchain Dylan Gabriel and create more of those quarterback Uh, this quarterback runs as far as the draws, because Gabriel's legs really unlock this offense and take it to a new level. We saw a little bit of it against Iowa State, and then we saw a crap ton of it against Texas, and obviously they weren't uh, ready for it. And so I thought, like, Jeff Levy for a minute was in his bag, and then Oklahoma's offense, like, for some reason, like, I do not understand it. Like once Oklahoma got up by two scores in a third quarter, I said, Oh, this is the danger zone. Like this, this is what Oklahoma experienced last year that it get up by two scores in in a third quarter. And they would go dead until maybe the fourth quarter and have to make something happen. And that's exactly what happened. But they with full credit to uh, Drake stoops, full credit to Nick Anderson, Jaleel Farouk and Dylan Gabriel, all those guys made major contributions in the last drive. Oklahoma had to rely on them on the very last drive besides the defense. And so part of me is saying, well, I really like what Jeff Levy did as far as the wrinkles they threw in, as far as the quarterback run game, which I'm sure was something that they planned most of the year anyways. Um, Part of me was really happy with the play calling early on because they were doing what was working and they kept on going to what was working. Um, even though I still have thoughts about the running back rotation, I think everybody does. Uh, but at the same time, it felt like once again, you got, you get it by two scores and you start to get away from what was working the entire game. And you try to get a little bit cute here or there, even though like directly just like passing the ball or directly running zone or directly running stretch plays that were working. Suddenly you're stopping seeing those things. And it didn't make much sense. So it's kind of like, I don't know, it's kind of like distorted in a way. Uh, What about, what about you?
1: I thought he had some really high highs. Obviously everyone's going to remember that, uh, that last series, which I think he called pretty much perfectly. And Dylan Gabriel did some, some kind of things on his own, but I thought he just called it a near perfect last series. Uh, But then I look at other drives. I don't want to take this game away from Jeff Levy because I think he, he, coached a or called a overall pretty good game.
0: Like they put up 34 points. In, yeah, 34 points in regulation against Texas.
1: But there were some moments like uh, after the fumble that Gentry Williams uh, recovered, I said, okay, Oklahoma's going to go for a deep shot here. And Texas knows it. And right? They played it well. They played protect. At that point, I thought maybe just save it. Just don't don't go for the deep shot. Don't go for the, like, the killer hit run your offense run the ball because they're gonna play back anyways this is your opportunity to kind of get up some free yardage up the field and then you can take your deep shot once they start mm-hmm. playing back on their base defense so mm-hmm. i thought there's some times where he got kind of uh being predictable but overall maybe his best game he's called an ou shirt and a, as a coach
0: I agree. I, I agree with the whole taking the deep shot thing, too. Like there's that one deep shot to Farouk that was back shoulder that worked. Uh, he didn't stretch out the defense too much, but at the same time, they were they're were moving the ball. Um, Now they were moving the ball a lot with Andrew Anthony. But at the same time, they were moving the ball a lot with Jalu Farouk. Jalu Farouk has been on a heater lately within the last few games, really getting him the ball more. Seems like intentional as well. And so, and he's a playmaker for OU. Like, we'll talk about Andrew Anthony a little bit later, but Jaleel Farouk is their most talented wide receiver. Drake Stoops is probably the most re- reliable wide receiver. Um, and then you also have Angel Anthony, uh, who, of course, went down with an injury. We'll talk about that later, who's just like a new bloomer. And so, it, it's interesting to think about, like, everything that took place on that drive. And, of course, Nick Anderson has, like, 11 catches and six of them are touchdowns. Love seeing him and Rodney Anderson celebrate on the field and Rodney Anderson celebrating the stands, seeing his brother, especially getting the game-winning touchdown against Texas. Uh, Not like Rodney Anderson hasn't had walk-off touchdowns himself. So that's got to be a hell of a moment for between brothers just in general. And uh, something that really stood out to me in this game was, A, again, just how much more improved Dylan Gabriel is as far as his pocket presence. He's not really getting sacked anymore. Like the guy has a more awareness in the, in the in the pocket. He feels looks he looks a lot more comfortable. He looks like he definitely knows what he's doing a lot more. Settled into a lot more. Um, I did take like five looks at the replay as far as that touchdown at Anderson. This man like jumped through the ball. He did not throw off his back foot. He crouched down because Walter Rouse had two guys to block because Caden Green didn't get the call and he kind of crouched down to like to duck up and to step forward into the pocket or maybe find room to scramble. And he saw Nick Anderson wide open in the back of the end zone. And this man just leaped off his back foot, kind of like a Tebow style, but like delivered it kind of like in a, a rainbow shot. And it just like Nick Anderson was there by himself. So like the, the linebacker didn't have any time to react. He was still on Stogner and Oklahoma wins the game. So, After all of this, Oklahoma gets so much publicity. Uh, What's his face from Barstool said Oklahoma was the fakest uh, country, fakest uh, team in the country that they hadn't played anybody. Which to a degree he's right. And then Oklahoma goes out, and not only do they beat Texas, even though they had to come from behind, um, it looked like they were incredibly physical. And it's not looked like just that against Texas. It's looked like that the entire year. They are a, they play a physical, physical brand of football. And of course you're getting all sorts of the publicity with Danny Stutzman. Cause that's who everybody wants to talk to. Not only are you going to get a really good like answer because he is articulate when he wants to be, he's also a funny goofball that like kind of side, you saw the podium when Brent said he like, he, like begs on it. he gets on <laughs> his knees most more than anybody else. Like, the camera pans over to Danny and like, he's looking left and right. Cause you know exactly what he's thinking. He's thinking like a James Harden, like pause moment. You saw a smile and a smirk on his face, but he's just like, a, he's a good, like he's a dude that I can definitely see um, being an actual commentator. Cause he is, uh, his major is mass com. He's somebody that you could definitely see being a personality down the road after his playing days are over. Um, but all this publicity what's this do for Oklahoma, especially like in in this sort of this vein of Texas, is this validation or is this too early? Because looking at Alabama, it doesn't look like Alabama is as good as they once were because the transfer portal, it looks like now they're second and third stringers that could play as the number one guys elsewhere in the country are doing so. And so I think that dynasty is dead. And so where like what does this publicity do for OU just besides recruiting but also is this validation for Oklahoma as the program is it too early to tell right now because we're not sure if the Big 12 is still completely garbage or what's going on what what do you think
1: i think the publicity is really good because you look at it like uh like last year, coming off six and seven, you go into the transfer portal. You're not going to land some high end guys like the. Yep. You land McCola, but that's because you kind of have a relationship there. But all those other guys, they weren't like the top tier. Uh, Bothwood is maybe like the only had, other yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah, Bothwood. That's true. That's true. That's a good point. He was but, but if you look at like other some of the receivers they ran on. Yeah. Yeah. Like they. Like Trey Harris went to Ole Miss, and like there's several other guys that a lot of people wanted, and Oklahoma just couldn't land. When you win this game and you get all this, this publicity, all this talk, it like, helps in recruiting, but I think it even helps even more in, in like a transfer portal because it's guys that are looking to make a name for themselves. And now they see Andrew Anthony out there mm-hmm. who had like maybe 200 yards in his career at Michigan. And now yeah. he's – I don't want to say he's a household name, but everybody saw his toe-tap catch, and that's remembered yeah. now. Like, hey, maybe I should go there. Give it a try. You know, this guy won. He, he left Michigan. who's Michigan's doing really, really well to Oklahoma, and now he's doing even better. So I think it helps him in the transfer portal. As far as validation, I don't think so. It's, they're still at six wins. They have a lot of hurdles in front of them. I want to see what this team does with maybe, like, the, the expectations. Now, the expectations are clearly Big 12 championship and playoffs. Like, the playoff conversation is clearly in the picture now. So I want to see how they handle that going to UCF. Kansas could be a tough test if uh, Jalen yeah. Daniels plays. And then you have some road trips like BYU. Like, I want to see how this team handles the hype. It's always been like, nobody sure. believes in us. Nobody believes in us. Now, everybody watch this game. Everyone's Oklahoma fan. How do you manage that as, as a team?
0: Yeah, and like like anybody mentions, like any publicity is good publicity. So Oklahoma brand being there associated with being like, on the up and up once again. Of course, that's great for like everything for the program, and I agree. Like with your point as far as validation, like yes, is it a step in the right direction? Does it show that Oklahoma is a step in the right direction? Where this is a year that Texas was supposed to kind of put a lot of those puzzle pieces together, in which they obviously still have. It was a very competitive game. It could have gone either way, like it did, like like we all saw. Um, but at the same time, like I think it shows. Just again, like the market improvement that Oklahoma has. And like I like I was saying before the game, like you mentioned Oklahoma, you know, by 10, but also maybe by Texas by three. It felt very like it was going to be a possibly a close game. And just just looking at the performance, I was thinking Oklahoma would have to, you know, force a couple turnovers and then uh, you know, be able to score and run somewhat reliably throughout the day, which those things sort of happened if you count Dylan Gabriel's legs, right? Uh, but other than that, like for me, is it validation, uh, a little bit. Like it, it tells us that Oklahoma is moving in the right direction. As far as the season, though, like you just mentioned, it changes the expectations. You started off six and zero, like you expected to start off five and zero, and this is why you thought you had the worst Big Twelve schedule, and now you're finding out that. Actually, it's in the middle of the pack. It's it's actually a pretty decent schedule for the Big 12, for like, well, what the Big 12 has to offer. The Big 12 in general as a conference is not very good this year. Uh, It's parody, but not in a great way. It's like Oklahoma, Texas, Kansas, and then a bunch of mush. And so it's really hard to get through and understand who is actually good, who is not, besides, you know, Oklahoma State, who actually just beat uh, uh, Kansas State, which was weird. Houston's obviously not there. UCF they can put up points, but they they can't stop points. And so, like you mentioned, there's challenges ahead. They UCF 11 a.m. kickoff. I am like, I'm thankful that Oklahoma has a bye week after Texas, so, so they're not riding this massive high and then going in, walking into an 11 a.m. kickoff against UCF against the team they expect to win. They have that week to kind of like mentally prepare. Eight, hey, we've got another game. The Texas high is over. Let's get on with it. But like you mentioned, I totally agree. I think it raises the expectations. Like Oklahoma fans should now be thinking, and Oklahoma the team should now be expecting at least a Big Twelve title matchup with somebody. Texas keeps on saying it's going to be them, but Texas keeps on saying they are the best team in the Big Twelve every year, and that's quite that's quite frankly not happening, right? And just like OU has inexplicable inexplicable losses, Texas does too. I mean, they lost to Kansas, like. Like three out of four years. Okay. And that's when they weren't good. Now they actually are. And so it's interesting to think about it like that. And so, as far as the game goes, what we, there were a lot of moments, a lot of moments. And that's what made this game like really special. It was very competitive, back and forth, a lot of moments. Both teams kept everything in front of them for the most part defensively. You know, there were no, massive 75-yard touchdown plays, 80-yard touchdown plays like we've seen in the past. You had massive chunk plays on both sides, but no real big long gainers for touchdowns, but you had lots of big moments. What were some of your big moments that you – or your favorite big moments that you took away from this game that you're like, man, like, that's some serious stuff going on?
1: man. Yeah. It's easily the uh, the goal line stand there. And mm-hmm. it's not
0: just because they they got it. It's just how they did it.
1: Like, you look at DeSan McCullough, uh going against Tavandre Sweat, who's like six forward, upwards of 360.
0: And he took on like he's two guys in that it, play.
1: Yeah. He's the one initiating contact. He's not waiting for the block to come to him. He's there to blow that block up and, you know, kind of things. So, I mean, just the... Physicality on that goal line stand. You look at, like, even like Kip Lewis. He's not a very two, big two dude. tackles. And two tackles on goal. that, yeah. But those two guys, both Kip Lewis and McCullough were just phenomenal on that goal line stand. I, like we yep. just haven't seen that sort of physicality from a defense. And I mean,
0: come, over a like, decade, fifteen years, over a decade. Yeah, it's it's been a yeah. while since we've seen them be able to stack linebackers. First of all, like that see linebackers plug holes and the defensive line shoot the gaps like that. If that was that was other world otherworldly like. And then you've seen DeSamakola, like you mentioned just then, uh, make another play on that fourth down. Why like, wanna describe that one?
1: Was that the one on the the left side? Yep. So that's one where they yeah. Like, I mean he just he just blew up blocks. And then was it Billy Bowman or was it Peyton Bowen? He was
0: him and Bowman. Yeah.
1: Bowman. He's the one that kind of dragged him back and didn't let him get, get across the line. I mean, there's just so much awareness. Like, I don't think I've seen an OU team. Like, we've seen bits and pieces of physicality, but we haven't seen a team like this football IQ smart. Does that make sense? And, yeah. Like and they just know how two. to make the smart play.
0: Just year two of Brent Venable's defense. Imagine you were year three. Yeah. Like that's it because just like you mentioned, he you blows can tell up the block. like,
1: yeah, you can tell like they spent so much time and like with Schmitty and in the weight room and getting bigger and stronger and faster. But now you look at like the dividends paying off. Like I got to be here. Like we talked about it before the season, hand placement, foot placement, and these situational things, like, where do I need to be? How do I prevent this play from happening? And we saw it pay off on Saturday.
0: Yeah, like, Oklahoma is one of the top uh, uh, turnover teams in the, na- in the nation, the, as far, even as far as turnover turnover margin in particular, like, top five, I believe, in the nation for forcing that many interceptions. I think it's, like, 12 or 13, that many fumbles, which is, like, four or five. But, yeah, it it was interesting to see. Like, of course, like, you can't go with it anywhere without saying the goal line stand. You've got two plays to the right, one play up the middle where Stutzman plugs a hole and they actually get the guy for a loss. And then on the left side, it's like a small little like block and then there's like a slant right inside and you have Bowman grabbing him by one side and then McCullough basically like wraps his arm around the guy's helmet, keeping him from breaking the play in the end zone and they, they, they get that off downs and so like not only did they force three turnovers they had a, they forced a turnover on downs of the one yard line and that's something that like an oklahoma fan that like you you were just used to always expecting them to hold them to a field goal that'd be like the best case scenario right now and that's and basically that a win yeah and the fact that oklahoma was able to do that uh was pretty special and pretty important especially as far as the game goes uh, as far as like something that maybe a big moment that I would have, I mean, of course, like you have the game-winning touchdown, right? That's a pretty big moment. Um, but the response after the blocked punt in touchdown for Texas, because Dylan Gabriel, you know, the, he walks in for a touchdown a QB uh, QB draw, and then like you mentioned earlier, Oklahoma, they they get that. Uh, Interception and it backs him up. And then the next thing you know, they get a blocked punt and it's touchdown Texas. And you're starting to think, and I, I start to think, oh gosh, like this could be this could be not fun. Uh Texas has momentum, but Oklahoma punching back and coming right back down and scoring again. I thought that was a pretty m- big moment just as far as again, adversity. Oklahoma's bound to face it more than once in this game. And the fact that they were able to keep on pulling out over and over again, as far as just like throwing that next punch, I thought was huge, not just for the team, but like just for the team's development. But what are some things for you that you feel like this team could still improve upon? Because there's quite a bit, of course, special teams, punting.
1: Yeah, special teams is gonna be my answer there because that's just such an easy one. They're just so bad on special teams. Like I think I tweeted that during the game. I was like, "Hey, you know, practice starts Monday. If you want to try out, I'll be there. You guys will be there. Start stretching." So, but they have to figure out like the punting is bad, the, the field goal, the placement kicking's bad. Everything pretty much but the kickoff is just so shaky for Oklahoma, and they just have to find some consistency.
0: Are yeah, you like gonna leash this thing and call for like a student body tryouts for new punters and kickers? I might have to. I might have okay. to.
1: Taft stadium is just down the road. I think I can get it for a day. We'll we'll do tryouts there. Okay. So
0: we could do that. We could do it. We can make it happen.
1: Uh something else. I mean, there wasn't like a ton of negatives. Like obviously there's some busted plays. Um, the fake field goal and then the tight end up over the uh over the top or kind of like, yep. Oh, that's, that's kind of bad. Right. But sure. I just don't have like that many negatives. We talked about the negatives with, uh, with Levy and kind of like, Oh, you know, if this was situation came up again, like don't do the obvious thing they They're prepared for the obvious thing. So sure. But I don't know. There's just so many good things in this game. Like,
0: yeah. I mean, Jayden my, my mind, that, that's and, exactly and who heated. I was going to say. I
1: think that if you look at him now, right behind the tower. Oh yeah, he's for sure a starter.
0: So then who do? You, so then it begs the question. You mentioned the tower just now, and looks like uh, he's got a broken ankle or something like that. Uh, I was, I was. That's initially what I. I'm not saw completely sure. Like that. Someone Are they told going me that. X-rays, MRIs. It may not be that bad. So.
1: Yeah, like, so maybe we'll going miss through some time, but like they might have him back this season potentially.
0: Yeah. And it so it begs the question, like who starts at that right guard spot then now? Is it still Caleb Schaefer? Uh, is it Savion Bird, who, again, is a physical freak, but is not always there between the ears as far as football IQ? Is it a dark horse? Is it Troy Everett from Appalachian State? Is yeah. it um maybe even Jake Taylor, a guy that they really, really, really like, but you don't want two f- true freshmen working on the interior of off your offensive line?
1: <laughs> yeah. Um I mean, Schaefer, I-, I need to go back and see how well he played. It-, it didn't seem like he was too much of a liability. Obviously, it was mm. late in the game, so. hmm uh, not a lot to watch there, but then you look at save Man bird. We know the physical upsides there. We know the strength is there. It's just, can he put it all together and didn't really work out at left guard. Maybe it works out at right. guard. I don't know if that's necessarily the change you want after seeing what he did. Sure, uh, Troy Everett, obviously a possibility. Um, I mean, you talked about Jake Taylor. If you're going to do it, you have a pretty good situation to, get him some time cuz you have the bye week to get him ready mm-hmm. and then you go against a UCF defense whose defensive line not that great bad so <laughs> it's bad you have you, you have a confidence builder uh, built into the schedule there if you wanted to go with Jake Taylor i think they'll just stick with Schaefer. he's, he's the yeah. older guy most experience uh didn't seem like he was too much of a liability so i think that's the way they go but i think Jake Taylor is a interesting option
0: and like you mentioned that that was something that I was, I was i was gonna say just the offensive line is something that of course they can still improve um running game gotta, gotta yeah because just, of the running yeah. game it, you gotta love what you saw out of Caden green when they pulled um what's his face earlier in the game like you have to love what you saw from him his physicality especially in the interior against the, that texas front that was putting that much pressure on him. Of course he did miss a couple assignments, but like that's most offensive lineman, especially if you're a true freshman offensive lineman. I, I think I mentioned like, you know, like it, well, I think you mentioned it too. Like you wouldn't be surprised if Caden green ultimately maybe starts and, or plays in a lot of games this season, which he's certainly been rotating, but I think he's rotated to his permanent spot for the season. And like the Texas game is, it is the end all be all as far as like the majority of roster changes and depth chart changes. Like who's really going to come into play when it's really hot in the kitchen, essentially like who's really coming to play in battle. Well, he held his own and I think that's pretty cool. And so I like, kind of like going a little bit forward, you just mentioned running the ball. Do you know who the, Not- like, the three we go ahead?
1: I, oh, you talk about the negatives. I, we should have just brought up the run game because it just wasn't outside of Tawi Walker. Which I mean, he didn't and run Gabriel like a
0: hundred like something yards.
1: Yeah, but I thought Tawy Walker. I think his best aspect of the the game was not the two like kind of tough touchdowns or that that run to get out of like the the end zone. Mm-hmm. I thought it was his pass blocking. Like he just he pass blocked so well on Saturday. It was you have to go back and watch. It was it was
0: beautiful lowest man wins and he's like a bowling ball. I mean, it's kind of hard to knock him over. Samaj AP Ryan. It's weird. (laughs) And so like, that's why, that's why I also felt really strange when he was running ahead, looked like with a full head of steam and a Texas linebacker kind of just like took him by his waist and turned him completely around and put him on the ground. I was like, okay, we hadn't, hadn't seen that happen to Todd. Walker all all year. (laughs) He's been running people over and he's got like basically tossed backwards for a second but yeah Tommy Walker like is is your leading rusher right now. That's not something that I would I expected to say after the Texas game. Like the the top 3 rushers yardage wise, Tommy Walker just now with 239 yards, number 2 is Marcus Major, 226 yards with 60 carries, Tommy Walker has 53. And then because of Gabriel's 100 and something yard game against Texas, Gabriel's next at 208 at 43 carries, and so I mean they they still six games through the season, they haven't even broken a thousand yards or well, like total as far as running the ball, uh, not at not a thousand yards rushing yet through six games. Like after that, it's Javante Barnes 122 yards. Brent says he's got some injury stuff, and then of course. It's just, like, double digits from there. Jackson Arnold, Chuck, Smothers, Farouk's carries, etc. So the run game, I mean, you saw them have success against Iowa State with the GT counter, and when they kind of abandoned the zone scheme, uh, zone blocking scheme, and they kind of went back to the zone this week anyways, this past week, and, again, was not fruitful for them besides the QB draws, like, how how do is there is there a way to fix this run game or is this just something that Oklahoma fans are going to have to experience for the next this for this year and see if it gets better over the next couple seasons?
1: We kind of think it's going to get better with Caden Green there, and we'll see what they do with the right guard. But like I'm not completely sold. It's just on the offensive line. Like they haven't been great and in, in run blocking, but they haven't mm-hmm. been just dog shit either. Like it's just yeah. kind of kind of mediocre. Uh, so, I mean, I look at the backs. I just don't see a back that's explosive. Like I see sure. like Talby, he can get the tough two, three, four yard run. But there's not a back that gets to the second level and then just turns on the Jets. Mm-hmm. And we thought that was going to be Javante Barnes. Obviously, there's some sort of injury, something going on there. Yeah. Thawchuck. I don't know what's going on. Like he was supposedly hurt, but he's played. And gets he, yeah, weird. He's just kind of a liability in the pass blocking. We saw that against Tulsa. He
0: like plays sparingly only when they want to flex yeah.
1: out five, five wide. So I wonder if like, do you just go young here? Do you just get like Caleb Hicks involved? Cause he looked good early on. You look like Dylan Smothers. We know he's got some gas to him. So mm-hmm.
0: yeah, it's, it, it's, it's certainly is strange and like watching Marcus major, just like he takes the handoff with his head up and then his head goes kind of down and he really just like decides what he's going to do. And like, you can tell in plays where his head is up and he's actually reading his blocks, maybe being a little bit patient. He runs a lot better. And so like, I, it, it pains me to watch him run the ball a lot because of that, because he's not reading his blocks. Tommy Walker, like you mentioned, he'll get you those gritty blocks and those in those gritty yards he also has his head up when he's running, and so like he knows where he's going, and I think that's a big positive to his game. And then, of course, Dylan Gabriel, not just the design quarterback runs, but simply just scrambling out of the pocket because most teams are used to right-handed, right right armed QBs. He's left arm. He's a lefty, and so him reversing the field and actually rushing to the opposite side of the field that most teams are not used to, he gets yards strictly just by doing that. And so, I mean, combining it all, I mean, Dylan Gabriel is off of broken plays or plays that are taking too long, but I agree. I think part of it's just reading blocks. Part of it is getting separation. Um, it's there's a lot that goes on there. I think it's on the running backs. I think it's on as much as it is the offensive linemen, but it also doesn't help if your offensive linemen are also not executing either, You but you still need those guys to do that. So it's, it's, it's a weird situation that, you thought would be fixed or like gotten better from the beginning of the season, but I mean it really hasn't. And it's happened a little bit, like a tiny bit of an incremental like improvement. Uh but they have we'll an opportunity
1: what- in front of them to almost don't want to say like fix things completely, but they they can get some confidence and kind of get the running game sure. going towards the end of the season.
0: And that's the hope, right? Is that Oklahoma continues like especially after Texas? All right, they've got Caden Green at left guard either Troy Everett or Caleb Schaefer, at right guard. Let's see where the rest of this goes. Maybe Oklahoma gels together easier, knowing that this is the pretty much the lineup uh, and seeing if what happens down there. So I'm really curious to see, I mean, like, do you have anything else to add to that?
1: Not really. I mean, I just, I'm curious to see if they just move personnel. Like is at that yeah. point in the season, because someone always emerges late in the season and, either like receiver or running back is that going to happen this season with like maybe a caleb hicks or Mm. smothers somebody
0: sure because like they actively need somebody no like
1: barnes is always suited up it's not like he's like in a cast or anything right like he was suited up. he had his helmet on and everything for the texas game he just never played
0: it is the oddest situation, and I'm very curious about what goes on behind closed doors about that situation because it is weird. Um, speaking about guys that are injured or quote-unquote injured, Gentry Williams is fine. Uh, they mentioned he was all right after game. I mean, looking at the Texas game, looking back on it, Quinn, you were to have success when, once Gentry Williams went out of the game. I want that to be acknowledged. Like he had started to find a lot more success once Gentry Williams went out. Uh, that was really interesting to think about it. And like I go back and actually look at it. It's like, yeah, he actually did have a lot more success with Gentry out. Um, then Key started playing cornerback instead of Dolby a lot. But then once you brought more than one cornerback uh, out of the game, Instead of Canai Walker, it was Key, which I thought was interesting. Um, but and we talked about McAvey Tower a little bit. Also, uh,
1: they had a lot of injuries heading into this with the the DBs. Yeah,
0: they were like. I don't think wasn't Walker Gentry, was active. I don't think wasn't Gentry dinged McCary up in this game too.
1: He had that like sh- was a like, shoulder injury maybe. Yeah, the like previous game. It, like it wasn't like serious. Yeah, kind of like Stutzman, but I don't think Makari Vickers was active. Either so, they're yeah, kind I mean, of like low on personnel
0: going into this, they were dinged up. And so, like, once you saw Key Lawrence playing actual cornerback, he's oh god, like things are things must be dire right now. <laughs> but it's good to have like that kind of like Brent mentions competitive depth to help you guys help you out in a pinch. Like, he's shown he's been able to play in many spots in the secondary, and so he can be used as an auxiliary piece too. Uh, but the guy that we kind of like have been talking about, but not really talking about this entire time, because we mentioned the tower. We mentioned Gentry briefly. I mean, he he's the guy that, you know, he gets an interception. He gets a fumble recovery. Angel Anthony, though, he's still the leading receiver as far as yards gained. Um, I think he is second receptions behind Drake Stoops, but just like two, like like 25 or something like that. I think Drake has like 27 or 28. Um, you Jaleel Farouk is the best receiver, Drake is the most reliable receiver. Angela Anthony has a, been a very, very, very nice surprise for Oklahoma. That's somebody that would break out. What does his injury mean for Oklahoma? Because he had season entering surgery. It's like, what does it mean for the Oklahoma receiving core? I mean, obviously, you mean somebody's gonna have to step up, but what else could it possibly mean?
1: It sucks for Andrew and Anthony because it's such a fun story to watch. Like a guy that just didn't really have an opportunity in Michigan comes to Oklahoma and plays well right away. So it sucks. And honestly, I think like he's one of the best talkers on the team. Like if you go look at his interviews, he's just so well spoken. He can deliver everything. Uh, so I mean, it's good he's been on the sideline, but it just sucks he's not going to be in the huddle anymore for Oklahoma. So uh, in that regard, you look at like Jilou Farouk. I think is he's, he's probably your wide receiver one yep. i don't think he's the most talented i think nick anderson's the most talented receiver really? on team right now yeah i don't think it's close i think nick anderson you keep you know giving him a role right now it's kind of limited with with Andrew anthony going out maybe he gets that spot mm-hmm. um i think you in some ways get better obviously nick anderson doesn't have the same speed as Andrew anthony but I think he could be an extremely good receiver. He's very productive right now with his his catches. So I think it might be a blessing in disguise kind of thing
0: for Oklahoma. It opens the door for Jaden Gibson, uh, Nick Anderson. Nick Anderson, more put together, uh, bigger, wider frame, more physical, uh, could be paying dividends. I mean, and that's what Andrew Anthony was good at was a getting to the sticks and being physical and getting over the line that was basically the majority of his catches, yeah, pretty much. And then you like have the occasional but it's deep, also a speed, so that just
1: opens up the field,
0: yeah. yeah, the occasional deep shot, which Nick Anderson can do for you as stretching the field, being a big body, wide, big, massive target. And so, like you mentioned. Blessing in the skies ish. Yeah. Uh, Sucks. Obviously, like you mentioned, see him go down as the guy's had so much production with the story coming out of Michigan where he's like really thriving with OU. And now he has season ending surgery. He'll be back next season under the tutelage of Jackson Arnold as his quarterback. And so now it gives the opportunity for Jane Gibson, Nick Anderson, maybe some Brennan Thompson, who knows uh I think Petaway yeah, Mike waspedaway, uh, yeah, uh, for sure. And so it like, gives the opportunity for other guys. so I'm really curious to see what that looks like because that's something that at the end of the at the end of the game that it was an afterthought. It's like, oh, they won the game. Oh wait, like they had three injuries, one of which Gentry's gonna be fine. McCade obviously there was an extended timeout because they were like, should we get the stretcher? They took him off on a cart. Um, and then you also had just Andrew Anthony, when he went down, you could tell immediately something was seriously wrong. It was not like a sprained ankle. It was like, um, at, at most or at best, a uh, knee thing or a high ankle sprain, you know? Um, and of course, like we saw he had season ending surgery. So good luck on the recovery, but interesting to see what Oklahoma will do from there, as far as giving them more responsibilities as far as the young guys, because they've got a lot of young receivers, and they can definitely uh ball out. So talking about that, what are things from this past Saturday that did give you really positive vibes about this team going forward?
1: I think I mean you just look at the defense, the physicality and the IQ. I mean if they play like that every week, you're going to have a chance to win. It doesn't matter who your opponent is right now because the, like if you look at the the broad reach of, of college football, there isn't like this elite team out there right now it's very mm-hmm. wide open and if oklahoma wants to get in the discussion their defense can allow them to do that so um i think the upside of this team is maybe you get to the playoffs and i think they could win a playoff game this could be their their first season where they win a playoff game so
0: That's i think nice. just the
1: overall outlook was encouraging uh sure. offensively they look pretty good i think they're finally finding this rhythm between this Brent Venables defense and this kind of high-powered yeah. Jeff Levy offense where, like, the tempo isn't the main factor. Like, mm-hmm. let's just go make plays. So, I mean, that's encouraging as well. You look just – the overall depth is good. I think one of the things that's maybe a little bit underrated about this team, you look at, like, when when Tali Walker makes a touchdown, looking like uh, Dylan Gabriel makes a touchdown. Just look at the people that go out there and talk to them. It's it's so far it's a far cry from what Lincoln Riley's offense looked like or their this whole team. Like you look at the Caleb Williams Spencer Rattler relationship where they didn't really talk they didn't really do anything you Ooh, could tell yeah. like that's toxic. The sideline just hated the shit out of each other. But then you look at Talweed Walker scored two touchdowns the first guy out there is Javante Barnes suited up like it's there's not a lot of selfishness on the SoCal roster right now and I think mm-hmm. that's just a credit to Brent Venables.
0: Yeah, that and the culture that he's a, he's definitely established is something else that's kind of like it it just makes his team different. I mean, like you it's been everywhere all over the internet. Danny that has been his quote, you know, Oklahoma, they they only fear God. Texas, they fear Oklahoma. That's gonna go on so many different t-shirts that are already floating around right now in Opolis clothing, which like pumps out some pretty great Oklahoma uh apparel. They're they're gonna have a they're going to have a t-shirt dedicated to that quote. So I wonder what that's going to be like. So yeah, I mean like the positive vibes, the physicality is there. The intentionality is there getting back to the roots. Um, Positive vibes. I got Ethan downs, not just a being the sack leader for this team, (laughs) which is the funniest thing to think think about. um, but Ethan Downs getting up into Quinn Ewer's grill while he's still on the ground twice. This man was in his face, in his face mask. Didn't get the 15-yard penalty. Of course, they didn't call too many penalties during this game anyways. Um, No Brent Mark, which I thought was interesting because it's college game day. It's being televised nationally. It's the biggest game of that weekend in your conference. And Greg Sankey is there. He has permission to, like, not step on your Mark's to- toes. But you would think he'd show up to the biggest game of the country in his own conference, at. but he didn't. But Ethan Downs, trash-talking. I mean, what didn't else, what else my is better car. than that? Yeah, what else is better than that? Ethan Downs getting multiple sacks, contributing to multiple sacks, um, and then getting into the grill of some guy that's already down on the ground. We've joked about what he had has said to Quinn Ewers as far as what would not elicit a yellow, uh, a, the, the deal flag, the, the penalty that comes out of the referee's pocket. Um, uh, but we're not going to discuss that live, but I mean, love the aggression, <laughs> right? Like you, you have to love. It's a
1: different attitude. It was not. What I expected from Ethan Downs because me and you were talking all off season saying that Ethan Downs might not even start for this team. Like right. he may have lost his spot after last season. And now he's out here just bull rushing, he's speed rushing, he's doing all these different things, and then he just talks shit on top of that. It's like who is this guy?
0: And they've been getting better and better every game, like they've been getting closer and closer to getting home every single game. And I think they what they sacked viewers five, six times. And he hadn't get, gotten sacked like that much at all that entire year, including the Alabama game where they're supposed to have monsters on the defensive line, which again, I'm saying, I, I feel like the Alabama dynasty is dead and they've con- kind of fallen back down to earth. And I don't think Texas is as good as advertised. And I also don't think Alabama is also as good as advertised. That doesn't diminish the win from Oklahoma, but Oklahoma gave like five, six sacks on Texas and two of them coming from Ethan Downs some pretty significant stuff because he was close a lot of times. And then he had a couple of free shots and free runs at Quinn Ewers that they didn't call holding very much because they didn't call many penalties. And so that was definitely a vibe. I mean, how how do you feel about your Mark not being there? Does that, does that mean anything at all to you or just in general?
1: Not really. I, th- I think it's funny because he was kind of on his high horse, but like, what do you say before the, the season? He wanted Texas Tech to win against Texas. Like He's not hiding that he wants the fact that Oklahoma and Texas, despite him not really being involved in the Big 12 at all during that time when they decided to leave, he's kind of giving this personal grudge out there just to kind of impress these other teams. When the fact is, that game, everybody's going to remember. That might be the game of the year. Yeah, And they're barely going to acknowledge it. I mean, that's just how asinine the Big
0: 12 is right now. And so like 10 full hat moment here is, is that a reason why Oklahoma and Texas is consistently still not going to get any calls for them for the rest of the season? So they don't meet up in the big 12 title game to know that whoever goes home takes the last trophy with them to the sec.
1: Oklahoma's gotten some love from the refs this season, which I'm surprised about, but it would not surprise me at all heading out of the stretch, going towards the playoffs. If, you know, the refs are maybe a little bit more one-sided. Like, I think there's obviously within the big 12 headquarters, there's a notion that they just don't want to see Oklahoma or Texas succeed at a, at a high level, especially leaving the conference. So it wouldn't surprise me. I don't, I don't have any proof of it, but sure. I think it's a logical thing.
0: And so like human. Yeah, of course. Right. And and it's, 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 it, it was just kind of interesting that I found out that Sankey, I knew Sankey was going to be at the game. I didn't know he has permission. I thought that was cool of him to at least ask permission to like, not to want to step on anybody's toes. Uh, I also thought it was interesting. Again, you got game day there, like prepping the days before on ESPN on the set, right in front of the cotton bowl and the commission is not there. He's in, st- he, but he shows up to OU Cincinnati thought and yeah, i thought, that, I thought It would weird. have been
1: a great opportunity for the big 12 to kind of make a statement like hey thank you for everything that you texas did this is what we have going forward like i think that would have been nice and that would have gotten you some credibility it's like wow this new big 12 adding colorado there's still some you know recognizable names around the country it, it will still be a, a good conference and they just yes. ignored it like they just hid in the background so i think they're kind of just stupid for it leaving that opportunity on the table and Greg Sankey obviously being there. So it's a story and that took precedent.
0: They didn't, they didn't embrace it and they didn't embrace the two teams with the two largest stadiums in the conference that bring in the most money. And, and I think that's ultimately like part of the deal is like they don't want to give, you know, more TV sets and more money to a team, to the teams that are leaving their conference that are taking money away. But regardless, Is is there anything that gave you a negative vibe from this team other than special teams, as we discussed earlier?
1: Injuries. I mean, we talked about the run game um, being just not where it needs to be at this point of the season. But overall, I mean, it's just a weird, like, because we're so used to talking about these teams, even last year when they weren't that good. But you go back with Lincoln Riley, and there's just always something that's like, oh, I don't like that. That's yep. they got to fix something. They have to fire this coach. They got to fire Benny Wiley. They're just not strong enough. They're not physical. Right now, I mean, there's just not a lot to bitch about in the program.
0: Sure. And like, like you know, I guess if there's one
1: thing where you're like, maybe it's a negative, is like you, you filled up so fast on your recruiting class, especially at wide receiver, then maybe you left some opportunities on the table. But like, mm-hmm. that's recruiting, like, it's kind of like the lottery, like sometimes you hit, sometimes you don't. So right. I don't think that's truly a negative.
0: I mean, Jalen Jalen Rager's decommitment led to Marquise Brown's Marquise, yeah. commitment. I mean, it's so. sometimes life hands you blessings, you know. <laughs> but yeah, like there's nothing to really like, like you mentioned, there's nothing really to bitch about. I mean, offensive line could be better. Uh, yeah, that's like kind of the story, right? Um special teams definitely needs to get better. I'm I there there is somebody in a computer lab on OU's campus that could punt the ball more than 20 yards. Like, that is that's just fact. Um And, I mean, like the whole kicker thing, like I'm willing to give Schmidt the benefit of the doubt because he has been pretty okay this year, this entire, this entire year. But that was just the oddest thing. But special teams in particular, but also the offensive line, like, eh, they're still figuring it out. So I'm not too worried about it. everything else. Like, they played Really well. I mean, a little bit inconsistent on I offensive play calling, really well. Uh on in the third quarter, but yeah, the coaching, the logistics of coaching, people mentioned this from the Texas side about Sark not taking like timeouts or not taking his time on the last drive to actually kick a game winning field goal. But I think there was reason for that. They mentioned that Texas was running up fast, so Brent and the defense couldn't get a look at the formations that Texas was running, therefore like not to make the proper adjustments on defense. And so like people will say, well, you know, Oklahoma manages the clock better, which they have in their timeouts and that Texas didn't, that's what cost them the game. But I think there's a, there was a method to the madness of Texas lining up that fast, but speak more about the coaches. Like you mentioned, like you were just talk about like, the coaches and their responsibility and like what they were about to be doing.
1: And the one thing that, that stuck out was last year we just saw such bad clock management from uh, Brent Venables, and then this mm-hmm. this game in particular, you look at him putting emphasis on using this timeout so he saves some clock for his offense. Like he wants to get his offense off the field, he wants to have a scoring opportunity before half, um, which he did. I think they got the field goal. They could have a touchdown, but I mean they still put points on before the half, and that's what mattered. So, and then you just look at like. I don't know. There's just not as much panic on the sideline. Obviously there's the sideline warnings, but yep. you don't have guys like trying to throw signals up last second. You don't have guys that are looking over to the sideline. Everything just seems way more organized outside of maybe Brent running out of the field, maybe get a get back guy, but everything yep. else. I mean, it just looks so much better, so much more clean.
0: Yeah. It, it again, like year two more articulate, knowing the expectations growing into those expectations I'm curious what this team looks like in year three, more specifically in the SEC. going to be very curious to see how that turns out. Um, and of course, this would be, this is another positive vibe. Austin Stogner of all games to show up for the entire year. <laughs> once again, shows up for OU Texas. And uh, we'll see if that continues. Still didn't or if it look was great. OU Texas again. Made some pivotal grabs. He, he One-handed grabs. Yeah. And so, like another just, positive. He us. just doesn't move like he used to. That yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. And so we kind of you you kind of alluded to it. Uh Dan Wilken came out with a, an article and a basically an opinion that basically was saying, hey, like, honestly, now after looking at OU and Brent Venables year two, Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma and leaving Norman, he did them a favor by allowing Oklahoma not to be all this flash and no substance and going back to substance, some flash. Yeah. Like you're going to get some good players, but also this dog mentality on defense as well, as far as finding their identity once again. And so like he said, Lincoln Riley did OU a favor by doing that so they could find their identity once again, but still also recruit at a high level. What were your thoughts on that?
1: Just, just re-emphasize what we said when when Lincoln Riley left. I mean, I don't think it's just exclusively our opinion. I think a lot of people knew that Oklahoma maybe peaked a little bit towards the end of his tenure. Like, obviously, you saw a very elite quarterback play, but your offensive line wasn't getting better. Your wide receivers, their route running was just terrible. And, like, you look at their maybe yards after catch, it was just awful. Like, the coaching just didn't seem like it was – important if that makes sense mm-hmm. like everything was let's recruit let's make the the big recruiting things obviously our elite quarterbacks can carry us and then everything else is kind of optional Like it's it's That's a true. clubhouse mentality like everyone just hanging out we'll have fun look at usc maybe we'll hate each other too yeah and then brett venables comes in and he's like this is what is this this is not what i left this is not the oklahoma i know like everything is very disorganized no one has any accountability in the locker room. No one has any accountability as a position coach. So I got to get the, all this shit together. And now it's it's starting to kind of come to fruition that how bad were was Oklahoma going to be if Lincoln Riley stayed? Like they weren't going to be terrible. They weren't going to be like a sure. losing season, but they were never going to win
0: like if he had stayed a few more years or a couple more years and then did what he did or just hopped to the pros right after what, what would have been left of those guys that were still somewhat there and or around Bob, et cetera. uh, What would have happened with those guys in that team? Like it probably could have been a lot darker. I mean, like, again, like Lincoln Riley left all Oklahoma's quarterbacks left. All of them left. And then you like also account for the high caliber, high, like top hundred players that left and you know, and then not in, including Caleb Williams as well. And then guys, to the draft, like Marvin Mims, who is playing on a terrible Broncos team and a lot of other guys. And so like they have that six and seven season where they are in a lot of one score games where like they have talent, but not competitive depth that Brent had talked about for so long this year like you mentioned they're more disciplined uh they're a lot better on defense or IQ looks like it's way through way through the roof they battle through things a lot better uh they face adversity a lot better they throw punches back if they get punched first but mostly they're doing the punching first and they it, it's just been a complete 180 shift as far as approach to the game and um kind of what those coaches meetings are like i mean I, Lincoln Riley had a, a lot of swagger to him as far as him being like this flashy kind of like, look at me, like, well, look what we're doing. Coach, whereas Brent Venables is still going to recruit really well and his staff's going to recruit really well, but they're going to get the most out of you. Like talent wise, they're going to develop you uh, regardless if you're a first string guy or if you're the guy that rotates in for the third unit, like they always have. And I think that's a big thing as far as like the Oklahoma that he left. And at the Oklahoma, he's trying to really turn it, trying to turn it back into quite frankly. And I think that's kind of special for that. And it also makes me think about Lincoln Riley because Danny Stutzman, like he's mentioned it several times in me. And we saw it earlier this season, uh, we saw last season. We saw, we saw it again this year, um, Brent Benables is, is like inviting all the alumni back for game days for non-game day experiences, just like, hey, like, come by the facilities. Like, you've been a player here, yada, yada, all that stuff. Like, you you need to be around. And suddenly now you're seeing the buzz around way more often. And Danny Stutzman, of course, like, kind of, like, soaking all that in. And so, like, I guess, like, one of the last things to talk about, as far as culture changes, because you saw so much alumni on the sideline of that OU Texas game. Because it was Baker Mayfield who was the guest selection picker at College Game Day. Saw Neville Gallimore and other guys that were just like on their bye weeks, or guys that were playing the NFL in Texas, or other guys that were just older alumni like the Boz. Why would Lincoln Riley put up a wall to pretty much the majority of alumni getting to the sideline? and not being present in the actual football realm of OU. Like, why would he want to do that? Because you're seeing it coming under Brent, but you're not seeing it. I mean, you, didn't, you never saw it happen under Link.
1: The only thing I can really think of is just, like, he knew, like, maybe my organization, like, maybe my abilities as a head coach – don't really fit what this Oklahoma team is used to. Like, obviously, he had Mm -hmm. Bob there. Bob ran it very well, and Lincoln just called the plays. I don't know if Lincoln ever – like, I think he wanted the head coaching position because he wants the the title. Obviously, the money's good. But I don't think he really cared too much about building a locker room, about building a culture, about building a program. Like, he didn't really care about the little things. He just wanted to be known as Lincoln Riley – great offensive pay, play caller yep and i think if you have guys like the boss come around or if you go back and look like maybe tommy harris teddy layman mccoy uh mccoy you get those guys in there and they they walk around like what is this if there's mm-hmm. just this does not look like the oklahoma that we we played in and we had success in like this is not a shit show because you're winning but like this is kind of a circus and like you're winning cause you have really good receivers. You have really good running backs. You have really good, a really good quarterback, but everything else is just, just a far cry from what they knew. And I think if you brought those guys in there, you get everybody talking, maybe the seat heats up a little bit and he's just not a guy that handles that well.
0: Yeah. I, I, I attributed it to like insecurity as like almost insecurity as a head coach. If, I mean, like, cause the boss was around a, a couple times while Link was there and he made comments about the strength and conditioning that we were doing. And all of a sudden you never heard from him again. And like, it it's just really interesting like that. That was like, he's insecure to a degree, especially like, like you mentioned because of what Oklahoma football is and has been and was and it's, like I mentioned, it still is. I mean, it's, it's different. Like you're relying on your offense and divas and not really teaching them life lessons. You're just like sending in plays and saying, Hey, you are the best athletes that from high school, go run these routes, go do these plays, execute them. And they do because they're generational athletes, but he's not winning any national titles because like you mentioned, he doesn't do the little things. He cares about the big things and having success. I think he jumps to the pros really, really soon because of all of that. Like I, I do not think he wants to play a night game in happy Valley in Wisconsin, in Ann Arbor, in East Lansing, in, you know, Columbus, Ohio. I don't think he wants to play night games in the snow in November being from USC, which I think is
1: also
0: Like in Arizona at night. Gosh, like well, anybody else either. Like our uh, Colorado almost came back at home uh and they were in a battle with the, uh, oh what uh what powerhouse san jose state they were in a battle of san jose <laughs> state for a uh, for a moment like it's just nuts to think about and so as far as this game goes just kind of like wrapping things up i mean did this game highlight specific players for you or highlight specific coaches for you in general
1: I think you look at dylan gabriel in particular like he is probably a legit heisman contender now like i don't i think he'll get an invite i don't think he'll win but he is firmly in the conversation like i don't know how many other quarterbacks are having success on a successful team like michael Penix would be in that conversation Mm -hmm. caleb williams uh you know Drake may some of those kind of names but i mean he's he could legitimately be in New York. Yeah. And I think his his play in that last series. I think he kind of deserves it.
0: Do you think that Danny Stutzman, do you think that like, I think this is the highest his NFL draft stock is going to be. Do you think he ends up leaving after the season? I don't want to really have this conversation seriously right now, but do you think there's a, I think he should. Chance he yeah. leaves?
1: I think he should yeah. leave
0: because, because you're likely. In the NFL.
1: Or gonna SEC. win the butt kiss, yep. And now you have a linebacker that's probably gonna get drafted fairly highly, I think. And first couple of rounds, does it suck that they don't have him at the SEC? Yeah, it sucks. Like he would have been really good, but I think the recruiting aspect is like, hey, Brent Venables just put a guy in. I don't know. Let's just assume right now is like a third round, second round guy. Like he he's gonna put people in the NFL. He just put Danny Stutzman. Who wasn't even on the NFL radar, I don't think, last yep. year. And Great. now he's an early round guy. So I think there's benefits to Danny Stutzman. I think there's benefits for Oklahoma. I think it'd just be that'd be the right call.
0: That's what I was thinking too. And also, I like the idea of Kip Lewis and Jaron Canick too. I mean, Kip Lewis, kid's good, man. I mean, he. He finds the ball. He's a guy that him and Jaron Kanick are going to go really well together once Stutzman is done at OU, whether it's this year or whether if he wants to usher in that first year in the SEC. Um,
1: Brent kind of seems like a guy that so would much depth. consider it. But I think Brent would just be like, hey, you need to go to the NFL now.
0: I agree. I think, I think like you're, Brent's you're pretty honest on the front. stock's
1: high enough. Yeah.
0: And like in like, Brent would like, like like Bob would do. Like he would tell him, "Like you need to go. Like you, like you're not. Your draft stock's not going to get any higher." Because wasn't Roy Williams also contemplating coming back and like, go? You need you like you need to leave after 2001.
1: Potentially, like
0: I'm pretty sure Bob told. Well, I think, or was the story something like along, around the lines of Roy Williams was maybe unsure or maybe thinking about it, and Bob just was like you need to leave. Like, your time is up. You have nothing else to prove. You are going to be a first yeah. round draft selection. And I think like, Dylan Gabriel is in the same get.
1: conversation there.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't think, I didn't expect him to stay stick around for another year. Um, what were, drafted. Look at his performance. What rounds do you think? If you had to guess that always or... goes so
1: high. Like I don't yeah. think he'd be a first or second round guy.
0: Maybe like a fourth or fifth maybe round a guy?
1: third or fourth. Okay. Like, there's so many bad quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Sure. He might get picked in the second. Kind of like, yeah. no one expected Jalen Hurts to be picked in the second, and he was picked in the second. So, it
0: could be a similar situation. I bet right now he's a three to five guy. That makes sense. And I really appreciate, like, again, from this game, like, his toughness. He lowered his shoulder uh, a couple times, and... Unlike when you were did not fumble the ball. Yeah. It showed a lot of poise. Showed like, again, that like he showed a lot of like of, of that toughness, that leadership aspect, like, yes, they had game leaders once again, even though the majority of them were like the typical captains you were expecting. um, It's the guys that lead the, uh, the, the warmups and the stretches before, before that Dylan Gabriel, every game out there, even though if he's not a game captain is leading stretches. Uh, same for Danny Sussman leading stretches and that, that big stretch fundy block that they have. And that's really important. I thought that also was a big key in this game was you had a lot of guys playing in a lot of different roles and a lot of guys that were not only just self kind of guided as far as like, they took ownership of the game and took the game to Texas, but also other guys like ensuring there was a collective agreement that they would all rely on each other instead of like you mentioned earlier with the Lincoln Riley situation being very individual and letting the play come to them. I thought that was pretty big for this silk team as well. Like what games, I guess for the on that I left on the schedule are ones that maybe give you pause like there's that one in BYU and Provo and mm-hmm. you also have the game, um, in Lawrence in Kansas, which sounds funny to say now, right? But like, if we like rewind, if we, if we were around ourselves five years ago, but that game in Kansas, regardless of if Jalen <laughs> Daniels plays, like, seems like he could actually. Kansas is a good team, they're well coached.
1: I mean, it's not a bad, like, there's gonna be some challenges. Kansas, obviously, if Jalen Daniels plays, uh, Oklahoma State kind of playing well a little bit, not not a great team but maybe if you catch them on the wrong night I don't know West Virginia also somehow night, playing yeah. well yeah uh, BYU you just look at the road tests up in the mountains could be kind of hard and then TCU I mean TCU is not really great it's, at, it's in Norman and I think there's plenty of motivation there Black Friday the last, 11 a.m. Yeah Black Friday last regular season Big 12 game I think I don't think TCU is going to be a juggernaut by any means. So yep. I don't think it's an easy schedule because you do have some kind of sneaky good teams, especially with that three weeks late between OSU, West Virginia, BYU. But
0: it's like a lot of those middle, definitely
1: a slate. Yeah. Like you could trip up in one of those games, but
0: other than that, I mean, Oklahoma can run the table and that's what's exciting. And I'm curious to see what happens on Texas end because of that, because Again, the Big 12's worst nightmare: OU and Texas meeting in the Big 12 Championship in football. And well, if Oklahoma continues their growth and if Texas also continues their growth, they are in a collision course for that to exactly to happen. So, Brayor uh, Mark is probably ripping out his hair. And Greg Senke could go to two SEC championships if he wanted to that weekend. So that's always a fun thought experiment to think about. Uh, but I'm all tapped. I'm all done talking about OU Texas. What, what, do you have anything else extra to add? Some thoughts, some random things.
1: I mean, it's like if, as far as like games you've watched for the Oklahoma series, Where does that rank overall? Just quickly,
0: it's top ten. That's that's probably one of the most engaged. That's probably one of the most. That's the. Let me rephrase this. That's the most I've been engaged down by down by down in a very long time like i was engaged I every 2017
1: oh you georgia fair, that's what it felt fair. like obviously yeah, it didn't like go this way but yeah felt very so high I, I mean, I put it top five I, it was just such a good game even if you're not even a fan like that might be game of the year for
0: people yeah and it, and it was also really really like really sweet because one of my professors, uh, she got her degree from the University of Texas. Her, her PhD was talking a little bit of crap before the game uh, the, the week leading up to it. So I made sure to just to wear a little bit of OU, 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 OU uh, stuff uh, in, in class this week and ask her how her Saturday was when she when she asked us how her weekends were. I was like, oh, they were good. Uh, how was your Saturday? And she was like, you know what, we're not going to go there. I was like, all right, we're not going to go there. But it's so like, it's that extra special part. Like, it was a really good game. She mentioned that uh, it was very back and forth, bunch of punches being thrown. I mean, how can you not be engaged? Those stands were full the entire time. There was nobody leaving early. Everybody was on the edge of their seats till the very end. And like, I guess to like to end the podcast, we can talk with about the very end of the game. I thought once Texas kicked that field goal, of course, like in all group chats around the world and all group DMs around the world, people are like, well, that doesn't look good. But at the same time, the pit of your stomach, thinking, the you're at the pit of your stomach are thinking, man, they got like a minute 15, three, four chunk plays, especially if they play prevent, like they're already in field goal range. Possibly they could, they could actually do this. And so that final drive chunk play, chunk play, chunk play, like Drake Stoops, Jalil Farouk, Nick Anderson. Yeah, he had, had a couple of chunk plays to I think Jalil Farouk or, or, or Drake Stoops. What was your reaction like leading up to it and actually then on that drive?
1: Putting at least one of our group chats, then I was like, this is right where, like if you're Oklahoma, this is right where you want Texas. This is exactly yep. the position you want to make because they're overconfident. They think they won the game. And you still have, what, a minute 15, a minute 11 left, something like that. Like, this this is going to go Oklahoma's way. And you can go back and you can go, let's see that DM. Uh, but I, I was pretty confident after that field goal or touchdown that I was like, there's just too much time. Oklahoma's
0: going to come down the field and just win this thing. Nuts. What a way to go out. Last one for the Big 12, but... Not the last one forever, like Bedlam. Possibly, well, we'll that, that's on pause. You know, we'll, 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 they'll they'll figure it out after they get over their feelings, I suppose. But uh, anything, anything else?
1: Uh, join the Discord. Obviously, with recruiting going on, there's gonna be a lot of rumors uh, with guys kind of looking around, especially yep. across the country as we get closer to signing day. Uh, especially a lot of things for Oklahoma with them being six and zero, big win, a lot of momentum on the recruiting trail, especially for twenty twenty five. So uh, we'll have all that chatter in there. Game threads, thunder's kicking up. So uh, it's free to join, and there's about two hundred and
0: fifty people in there talking right now. So it's a good time. Yes, I look at that sentiment every time. Discord's a great community. It's free, like Stephen just mentioned. Like not too many things where you can just go talk ball with guys uh with also insider knowledge also just like are willingly just like to talk about it and people that like ask random questions or you can just talk about how bad your fantasy team is doing or how well your fantasy team is doing and is it isn't there like a isn't there a channel for just, like cooking and recipes in general too i don't know i don't even know there's there there so many channels channel. yeah there's there's a there's so many channels in that thing like guys like it's free. I'm going to link it in the bio, the description of this podcast, on whatever app you listen to it on. I encourage you guys to check it out. And for whatever reason, if you click on the link and it's expired, just DM Steven and I uh, and ask him for the link. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at K underscore Moravian. And for Steven, it's at OU updated SB. We'll be more than happy to send you a, shoot you a link to go to the discord because again, it's a great community. Lots of fun people. Uh, Lots of good interactions, lots of channels, lots of good stuff. Um, And uh, other than that, on a bye week, interesting week, just to recuperate, recover from some injuries from some stingers. And then next after that, UCF 11 a.m. kickoff. So until then, check guys later.